Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to their episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the gallon gallantry. Mm, good one. Yeah, thank you. I worked really hard on that one. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, hi, my name's Summer Yeager. I am here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And if you didn't know this about Joy, I'm gonna tell you now. She frequently freaks me out with her random, but not so random seemingly comprehensive knowledge about old science fiction novels. <laughs> I, she actually never fails to impress me um, when there's a moment where some random science fiction novel or concept is brought up and she's like, oh yes, yeah, so-and-so wrote that book in so-and-so time. Well, it's, I just think, it, I find it really, I think it's interesting because I think science fiction would be considered well, now, especially because of a lot of media, it's considered like a cheap. Yeah. But there was a time when it was considered um, like almost prophetic. Yeah. Like the. It was. Like the smart intellectuals of the time yes. were the ones that were writing. Yes. Science fiction I mean, think and about fantasy. 1984. And, and, right. and they were considered legitimate pieces of literature. Right. Now they're considered like something you buy at the grocery store. Right. It's kind next of to the romance novel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They used to uh, have a lot I of very interesting things to say love that about you know that. philosophy and society. Yeah. And very it's interesting. Gone downhill. Yeah. Postmodernism happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, but I am. I am always impressed with them. Um, you're like, oh, I know that guy. And I'm like, what? Okay. Well, thank you. It's like not required reading, typically, most of it. So. No, I just like it because it's weird. And yeah. that's how my brain works. Right. My brain is just constantly writing. It's a very weird place uh, to the be. premises. It can't write a whole story, <laughs> but it can write. Um, uh -huh. It can like pitch mm -hmm. a story. Yes. So I've been pitching the story I've been meaning to write for you for like months now. I know. We're One day. To finish that. <laughs> One day. I sure. have my idea, I have and it's my happening. Idea. It's coming together. Yeah. I but, just haven't put it to paper. Well, and I, I told you what set me back, which all, that and just putting it off. I mean, let's let's really face it. Yeah. Like if I'm I need to really take responsibility that I just haven't been writing it. Right. But also um, the excuse I'm using is that I wrote this f fabulous introduction, mm -hmm. this first paragraph. And I was like, this yes. is it. <laughs> this is going to take me places. And then um, my Google Notes didn't save it sink it mm. and so it was just gone mm. and i was like where do i start right what do i start right. what's even happening here how do i even tell this story uh -huh. um but you're right i am joy and uh i'm here with my beautiful co-host summer and something you should know about summer is that very recently she discovered that she has curly hair very um and she's rocking it oh it's been a journey friends but yeah it's always been straight yeah or so you thought and yeah. then all of a sudden you're like huh if i just do the curly girl method yes. what i discovered is 
Well, my hair is actually curly. You know, the thing I have been taming my hair for so long because I always just thought my hair is crazy. I have to straighten it. Right. Because it's, if I don't, it's weird. But the thing about curly hair is you can't just brush it. When you just brush it, bad it things does get happen. Crazy. <laughs> um, but I didn't grow up knowing like how to take care of curly hair. And right. if you use just regular, just go to the store and buy shampoo. You, your hair doesn't curl because there's all kinds of stuff in it that's yeah. bad for curly hair and whatever. So then I just got sick of straightening my hair. And my husband was like, he gave me this bright idea. He goes, why don't you just let it be curly? <laughs> and that was like the first time that thought had ever crossed like, my mind. Huh. Oh, but then I had to actually like do research because I have never known how to take care of curly hair right. or let it just be curly. Well, and it turns out there is a way to take care of There's it. There's a way to do I it. I don't have to, I never had to know it because right. I've always had like very nice straight hair. Right. <laughs> it's gotten less straight over the years, but still very, very manageable. Yeah. And you just don't, I think a lot of people didn't know there was a way to take care of it until no, because typical <laughs> just typical hair that isn't like this can you can just use whatever shampoo and right. conditioner and it's fine but that's not how it is so I have it's almost been a year since I started letting my hair be curly and it's getting easier it now but it is a little bit stressful sometimes it's a little stressful I think it looks I like can't even remember you with straight hair now really that's funny okay do you do you have straight hair in like all of our pictures and yeah. stuff? Yeah, pin pin straight, and huh. that was like forty five minutes of work every time. Right, because we were gonna take pictures, <laughs> so you were like, "Come on, I have to straighten this." So yeah, we'll it's have been to freeing. That. It's been really freeing, but I'm a little, I'm learning how to not be so um, self conscious about it. Yeah, because to me, it just looks lazy. I feel lazy, like I didn't. I think do it's my a hair. good length. It's got like good volume to it super trendy like you guys there are know. girls i think are trying to accomplish that look oh okay that you're just like naturally this is having. just what my hair does yeah people i get Good a little offended when people ask me if i got a perm <laughs> do people get perms my Still? mom got a perm her whole life but i don't think she gets it done anymore like even she's stopped yeah i mean don't perms destroy your hair i don't know my mom always had i feel like she always had nice hair but she always had curly hair. I remember when I looked the first time I looked in a high school yearbook of hers and yeah. I was like, Mom, you have brown straight hair. <laughs> like me. <laughs> Cause the whole my whole childhood she had blonde curly hair. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Who are you? Anyway. A little fact about my me. My mom's pretty much cute no matter what she does. She's really adorable. <laughs> Here we are, guys. We're back. Um we are ready today to wrap up our series on feminism. I'm hoping today is an incredibly helpful episode for you. We shall see. Um, mm -hmm. Joy and I are very tired. Yeah. That's a word for it. Well, and I, if the first and second wave sort of like zaps your brain, mm -hmm. then the third and fourth just really zap because your brain. they're a part of their definition is that people are like, well, it's changing and it means something different to everyone. Right. And it's like, so you're saying is there's no objective, right? There's no objective information, right? That everyone agrees on about this. Okay. Right. All right. Well, we'll try and translate that into something that we can present to a group of people. Cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so here we are. Um, and you know, I think a lot of what we have to say isn't anything super new. If you've been around for a while, 
Um, when we talk about intersectionality, you've heard us talk about that before. We've done two, I think we have like two and a half hours of talking about intersectionality. Mm-hmm. We have at least an hour where we discussed the Me Too movement. So I'd encourage you to, if you want to hear those, um, go to the website and just search or go through the podcast. They're all there for you. Uh, and we took a lot of time in the wake of the Me Too the kickoff to the Me Too movement, which is in the fall of 2017, which feels like yesterday. But right. now that I'm saying that, I'm realizing we're coming up on two years right. <laughs> with that this That's year. That's pretty crazy. Um, so I do not plan on going in depth into either of those things, but you would be completely remiss not to discuss them when we discuss uh, the fourth wave of feminism, which is what we're living in now. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say there are a lot of parallels between um, what is happening now and what happened in the third wave. A lot of discussion around um, sexual assault, sexual abuse. Um, and you really do need to understand what critical theory and intersectionality are frequently to even understand what people are talking about. Right. Um, and so... Well, and the dangerous thing about it is that if you don't understand intersectionality or critical theory it actually can sound very moderate yes and correct and and very reasonable in matters of equality especially like of course we we believe that people should be treated equal in dignity as (laughs) humans right um so i will just briefly if i should yeah um define as quickly as i can for you critical theory because I don't want to bore you out of your seat, but you do need to understand it because uh, I'm willing to bet, and we've been saying this for a while, that you probably hear these theories everywhere you go and you may not even realize it. So it's important that you know what it is and that you recognize it. So critical theory is neo-Marxist and it has a history in philosophy and in the social sciences. So Critical theory essentially designates, um, I'm sorry, it comes from several generations of German philosophers and social theorists from Western Europe and a Marxist tradition, also known as the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School essentially, once the entire world know that knew that communism doesn't work, migrated to Colombia in the 60s. Uh, according to the, this school of thought, a critical theory is different from a traditional theory. Uh, basically, a theory is critical to the extent that it seeks human emancipation from, quote, slave slavery. Um, it's critical as long as it acts as a liberating influence and as long as it works to create a world which satisfies the needs and powers of human beings. These theories try to explain all the circumstances that enslave human beings. I can answer that one myself (laughs) without critical theory. Um, They basically emerged in connection with different social movements, such as communism, um, that were trying to look for different ways that humans got power in society. So... Critical theory is often thought of as something that just refers to the Frankfurt School, but that's not really true. Um, it, critical theory is a part of uh, feminism, critical race theory, and anything that Siri just really thinks I'm talking to her right yeah, now. Yeah, she Sorry. does. She keeps trying to 
insert herself into this conversation. <laughs> um, sorry. Anything can be a critical theory. Feminism can be a critical theory. <laughs> Look at Siri. Um, <laughs> we have critical. They're race. listening to us. <laughs> critical race theory and intersectionality is largely a critical theory. Um, it's a theory that acts critically towards the working, the common working way and attempts to fix, fix the problems with the common working way. Yes. So intersectionality is a subset of critical theory and intersectionality tries to describe the ways in which oppressive institutions, i.e. anything having to do with race, sex, homophobia, transphobia, phobia, ableism, xenophobia, classism, Body et cetera, shaming. all of it. Um, intersectionality says that all of these things are interconnected. They can't be examined separately from one another. And as we told you last week and have mentioned many times before, a feminist in 1989 named Kimberly Crenshaw is largely credited with coining the term. Uh, and she wanted people to pay attention to it. A lot of the reason why is because she's a critical race theorist and she uh, felt like many people uh, involved in feminism that uh, minority women, uh, people who had, you know, homosexuals, they didn't have fair representation within these movements. So, right. Hopefully like they, they wanted, well, even in the instance to even give you guys a specific, um, example we talked about in the third wave episode, we talked about Anita Hill, what Kimberly Crenshaw and Rebecca Walker would have said is that we need someone to re not just represent her as an African-American. She needs someone to represent her as an African-American woman. Right. Because those right. are two completely different things. That's right. And it's not enough to just represent one part of her. Yes. Because all of those social identities make up who she is. Right. So one of the things I really want to challenge you guys to hear in all of this, if you're having trouble following like, oh, Frankfurt School and all these other big words and where'd this come from, uh, the thing you really need to know is that where these ideas came from were explicitly anti-biblical. They were explicitly anti-God. They were explicitly humanist, humanistic. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that matters. Like it matters a lot yeah. that their starting point denies God mm -hmm. because if you start from a starting point that denies God, wherever you get to is not going to be a good place. <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, basically what this gave rise to and what I don't want to do, I want to bring up someone in this discussion um, who would buy into all these terms, but she is a very, um, I think, thoughtful and smart woman who calls herself a feminist. She gives a lot of TED Talks and her name is Chimamanda Adichie. And um, she's a very great writer. She wrote a book called We Should All Be Feminists. And so I wanted to make sure to read it. I've listened to her TED Talks. Like I said, she's very smart, very um, well put together, easy to listen to. And I think it's um, it's easy for us to point at, you know, kind of like the the riot girl feminists and say, oh, ew, we clearly right. are not from the same team. Right. Um, but then you look at someone who is uh, smart and she doesn't come across angry or disrespectful. She comes across very reasonable and intelligent. And she is 
Um, she's not she's not from the United States, and she has a lot of great things to say um, that are insightful. But basically, so I was curious. So I read her book, We Should All Be Feminists, and um, I wanted to get a different perspective from someone who's not inside the U.S. Um, and while she has some things to say about the culture where she's from that uh, definitely need to be addressed. Essentially, what I got from her book was that if men are allowed to do something, women should be allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if men don't have to change their names when they get married, women shouldn't have to do it. Um, you should try to do things that men do as often as possible. <laughs> um, and I, I was disappointed because essentially the ideology that I got from the book uh, when I was hoping to get a different perspective was very similar to just any feminist perspective you can get anywhere, which was the behavior of men, what men do is the ultimate standard. Like it's something that women should reach for. Um, And so reaching that standard is what will create equality. If when the when the minority can, can finally reach the same level as that, majority force that is when we have made we have created justice for the minority right right and so i don't know i was just bummed i was i thought that would just be something interesting to share as i was just hoping for well because there's legitimate violence against women where she's from right right like legitimate right and that's something to think about is and my dad talks about this a lot um he talks about the importance of if he's going to go into a debate with a Mormon, for example, he's not going to use a tactic with a Mormon that then wouldn't work if he's debating a Muslim as well. Because if you're inconsistent in your argumentation, that's a sign of a flaw. And so when I think about the feminism in the U.S., the feminism that draws pink female genital artwork and wears it on their head wears it on their head and stuff like that when i think about the gillette ad that so many people loved um can you take this to a country that is legitimately oppressing women that's that's mutilating female genitalia in infancy Mm -hmm. um can you take the gillette ad and show it to the men there and change what's happening. Can you walk down the street naked in a country that allows spousal rape? Right. And will it fix that? Will it fix the problem? Will it really address what's going on? Um, and obviously the answer is no. In countries where women are legitimately societally oppressed, the tactics that feminists use here would accomplish nothing. And so that is part of what our big problem with feminism is, is that it's not a consistent worldview that offers anything to the world. You might have a good time. You might see no problem with the Gillette ad. I can talk about that more if anybody wants. But Mm. my point is, is does the feminism you're advocating work on a world stage and actually do anything for women? Um, I had had someone comment on the Sheologians page saying that we don't we don't understand the need for feminism because we're privileged Americans. And she had some things to say about what sh- the horrors that are that w- that are taken out on women 
um, in different countries that we know nothing of. And I agree with her on one point. I disagree with her on one point. I agree that as a nation, we as women are very privileged. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem is, is that the feminism that's happening here would not help women anywhere else because the problem is sin. Right. It's not that these boys don't know right from wrong. The problem is that when you take a feminist ideal that we have in America and you tried to import it to another country, it wouldn't fix the problem. So my concern is why as Christians are we entertaining ourselves with this worldview that doesn't actually start from a point that can bring about true reconciliation at the end. Right. Where they're going isn't where we need to go. We don't need boys to stop roughhousing in the backyard. Right. If you're in a country that that uh, treats women the way many of these countries do, it's only going to be a change of heart. It's going to be the gospel. Right. It's going to help those women. It's yeah. not going to be legalizing the wearing of pink vagina hats right. and 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 all you know you know what i mean so i just think one thing to think of is consistency are is what you're advocating for actually freedom to those who are being oppressed right. and the feminism that we have here the gillette ads that we have here it does nothing to change hearts and minds like it might get you it might get someone somewhere to consider their behavior maybe but is that really the problem right. the problem is the heart Right. So that's my concern, especially with women who, you know, like I said, I think Chimamanda Adichie has some great points. But ultimately, because her starting point isn't based on scripture, isn't based on the image of God, that her end point is ultimately useless. So that's that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Agreed. Uh huh. Wow. Well, I mean, that's pretty much. We're done here, right? No, I have That's more. That's all I we have, have more, to say. I, I do more, too, actually. Okay, but we always have more to say, guys. Come on, you know that. <laughs> and yeah, okay. if you want this show to keep going, you can go to patreon.com <laughs> slash theologians. We need you. Is that the wrong point? Is that the wrong time no, to plug that? Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. Okay. Well, so we've given that. We've said what we don't want to do. We're not going to... But we are, you know, we are talking about American, the American fourth wave. Yes. So let's talk about it. Talk about it. We already, it's very, uh, have high emphasis on critical theory, intersectionality. Yes. Feminism is no longer just a female thing anymore. Feminism is something that represents uh, any level of ability, any gender any sexuality any right. race any right. uh socioeconomic status right um and so here's the thing you'll still you'll still see arguments i d- and that's the thing is i don't there's arguments among amongst themselves in the third and fourth wave and it's cuz i think when you give everyone their own way when you say this is this feminism is what it means to you, you will always have disagreements. So I don't think these disagreements are going to stop happening because you're still going to have women that think that twerking on a stage is really freedom, 
Right. And then you're going to have women that, that are like, why would you do that? Like, right. why do you need to show off your body? Why right. do you need to be um, inherently sexual? And then some people would say that, like, there is a cultural type of dancing now. Right. So you even you get into this. I don't think this is something I don't think the intersectionality is at any point going to resolve itself it, it will only eat itself it will only eat itself because there will always be someone more oppressed than you right that and that you won't be able to represent and and just even statistically speaking the feminist movement isn't going to represent transgenders transgenderism like as much just because statistically there aren't as many transgender people as there right. are females right Right. (laughs) um and so that's the thing is you get into this it like it really the arguments are what kind of complicates explaining this yes to you because they not every feminist now in the fourth wave Mm -hmm. believes the same thing as other feminists right so it's hard to kind of explain like here's what's going on in feminism but you well you said you wanted to talk about me too i do me too is the big thing that's happened since we last recorded feminism episodes and and let me point out this here's something to watch out for within intersectionality that you were just talking about Mm -hmm. listen for if you're looking for intersectionality listen for a time when someone's making an argument where they're arguing that a certain person has more inherent insight and wisdom in society because of their identity so automatically if you have if you have more layers of oppression that you can claim so if you're a female latino homosexual transsexual and you've got all these layers of identity frequently they will imbue more inherent insight, more inherent goodness to those who have been oppressed. So listen for that. Um, If you're looking for an intersectional ideology, that's something that you're going to find a lot of. Yeah. We need to listen to these people. If, if the argument is we need to listen to these people because of their race, skin color, gender, da, 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 you're listening to, an intersectional feminist yeah and that's just a way to really see um what's going on so anyway but yes so the me too movement is the big thing that happened since we recorded these when we first did our series on feminism uh the me too movement had not kicked off yet uh i do think and i pointed this out last week and i might have already mentioned it i don't know what day it is it's still my birthday yeah <laughs> i'm old now you guys um when the third wave kicked off, it really happened around the abuse allegations. And I think it's so, so, so interesting that anytime a pro-choice person is nominated to the Supreme Court, it seems in my lifetime, at least, there is a huge fight. Um, isn't that super interesting? <laughs> um, but I would say so the the Me Too movement uh, began really around uh, the Harvey Weinstein scandal when it came out that um, I mean, let's let me back up a little bit. Hollywood already knew what Harvey Weinstein was doing. Many people knew. Many people knew. Women knew they he had many victims. Yes. People knew. People knew. Um, but when basically it was announced to the world, 
um, that he was tr he was uh, trading sexual favors for parts in movies and shows, and he'd invite women up to his room, and these things were happening. Uh, the Me Too movement started, uh, and basically there was a hashtag created on Twitter, and we were encouraged by a liberal feminist to um, share our stories right. of being sexually abused or assaulted, and we were supposed to share them with the hashtag Me Too. Now, in in the wake of that, Joy and I decided to do an entire episode really fleshing out um, what God's response is to um, sexual abuse. And we spent a long time on that. So if you want to hear more about that, um, what we believe God's standards are and what God's law calls for in these instances, again, I would encourage you to listen to that episode. Um, but really what I want to say what I want to say, I don't know what you want to say, but what mm -hmm. I want to say about the Me Too movement is that as believers, I say we have nothing in common with the Me Too movement. I don't even think we share the same sentiment. Um, if you wanted to claim that the Me Too movement is all about how sexual abuse is wrong, I think on the surface you could say we would agree with the Me Too movement, um, but words have meaning. And I don't think we share our values with the leaders of the Me Too movement. The leaders of the Me Too movement have no moral authority to say that sexual abuse is wrong uh, for multiple reasons. Number one, I would say the biggest thing that undermines their moral authority is um, they don't even know what assault is because almost all of them uh, don't believe that murdering a preborn baby in the womb right. is physical assault. Um, they don't well, and they've conflated statistics to say that more women they're they're including um, certain forms of harassment mm -hmm. in their uh, they are they have created something that is very special about the fourth wave is that they have redefined what violence in itself oh, is. Yes, um, words, words can be violent. violent. So right. so they have padded. Um, sexual assault statistics with things like catcalling. Right. Um, right. And, and we should be very clear that we do not believe that if you have been catcalled, you have been anything near close to raped. Right. That's not to say catcalling is right. morally neutral. Right. I would say that it's morally wrong. But certainly God wouldn't give the death penalty to someone to who the cat person called. who catcalled. And right. certainly his heart needs to be changed. Right. Right. So, but conflating the two is a problem. Right. Um, so the Me Too movement doesn't have an obje objective standard that can even account for why assault would be wrong. Um, if we are all just descendants of monkeys and animals, um, then I guess we should go legislate the animal kingdom. Well, and if sex <laughs> should be free. <laughs> right. Right. Like if there should be no rules regarding right. sex. Right. I don't know. It seems like you're asking for some rules and I actually agree that there should be rules. <laughs> there should be rules, but you're the ones that pushed for no rules. Right. And so it's like, why don't we see the inconsistency here? Right. That you're pushing, but just like anyone, any human trying to be God, you're scrambling to do it because right. you can't. Right. And so you're like, oh, shoot, well, like totally free sex wasn't working. Right. So now we need to identify rape culture 
and right. and we need to go from here. We need to start creating a new set of standards right. where men are all aggressors. Right. And in the fabric of society, yeah. we see a culture that promotes the objectification right. and the abuse of women. Right. And if you want to make a feminist angry, point out that the rape statistics that they like to sell um, are wrong. Yep. They are not accurate. Um, one, like in one, four, in four. one in four mm-hmm. women on college campuses are not raped. Again, that stat comes from conflating something like a cat call mm-hmm. to actual sexual assault. And again, we would condemn both. But because God would not treat both of these sins equally, we cannot treat these sins equally. Right. Um, and if reality, if a real statistic minimizes your point, your point is a fairy tale. So I'm not going to buy into it. Right. Um, yeah. And- you don't need to change. You don't need to pad your statistics for rape to be a horrible and awful thing. Right. We right. definitely think that it's a horrible and awful thing as right. well. And so we just, we do not share a moral compass with the Me Too movement. And we don't share a moral compass. You know, I tried to point this out with the very innocuous Gillette ad. My point with the Gillette ad, and I really don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. A lot of people were like, it's just a good example. You're not making a mountain out of a molehill. You're taking a specific instance and you're showing here this is just another example of the things that are going on it's just vacuous right (laughs) and as christians i think we should see through the smoke and mirrors because my ultimate point with why i just do not give a darn about the gillette ad why i refuse i refuse to take any moral lecture right from the a world who would condemn me for saying that a man cannot become a woman. I refuse to take a moral lecture from a a media, from a society where over 75% of the men are porn users. So what you're telling me is the stats most likely tell me that the men who created the ad, the men who created the scene where the boys are on the couch looking at girls in bikinis, the men who staged that scene more than likely over three quarters of them are regular porn users. I won't be taking any moral lectures from right. them. That's not how this is going to go. Right. If you're going to condemn me for saying abortion is murder, I'm not really interested in your opinion on the objectification of women. Right. And Christians are being deceived because they're like, oh, this is a good ad. Well, the ad, if you listen to the words specifically use the me too movement as a turning point in how they're going to change their behavior Mm -hmm. they're full of it their wake-up call they're saving grace it's not their saving grace but that is what the world wants us to believe that now that the me too movement has happened men are going to change that's that's not how men change. If you're a Christian, there's a very specific way that you believe that men change. And it's through the blood of Jesus. It's not because of the Me Too movement. Right. So stop drinking the Kool-Aid right. is what I want to say about well, that. And I think it's a huge, I think the Me Too movement is a huge uh, jumping off point uh, for what we for what we see now. It's hard to say what exactly the 
um, mission statement of the fourth wave is. But from what I can, from what I've read, from what I know about this, the focus is on dignity of all. So people are valuable. People have dignity. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that we want you we want you to do things our way. It's not just that you I want you to call me by the right pronoun. You should do those things because I have dignity. I'm a person. You should you should be respectful of my experiences in relation to my race and my economic status. Mm-hmm. And my the the um the opportunities I had for education or didn't have. All those things should be those are my identities. Mm-hmm. And those are what makes me a dignified human Mm -hmm. so that is the cry of the fourth wave Mm -hmm. as far as i can tell ultimately obviously there's a lot going on (laughs) yeah but so the idea is dignity Mm -hmm. me too movement was Mm -hmm. all about dignity hey this is happening Mm -hmm. in hollywood this is happening all around Mm -hmm. it can't keep happening anymore Mm-hmm. because you can't assault people because they have dignity. You can't do that. Human sure. beings are worth something. Sure. It's all a load of crap. They have <laughs> no idea what right. dignity means. Right. They have destroyed. If you haven't read Love Thy Body yet, please do it. <laughs> yes. They have destroyed their bodies yes. for the sake of their own dignity. Right. They have engaged in promiscuous sex. They have STDs they have physically altered their bodies mutilated their genitals right so that they can have because of their dignity Mm -hmm. all the while they have no way to even qualify where their idea of dignity comes from what is dignity who gives you dignity they have no idea why they mean anything in this universe right and you know how you can tell because they're killing humans right right Anyone who preaches supposed dignity, right? In the name of your freedom and all your meaning, right? Right. You're kill. We are millions Mm -hmm. deep. Yeah. In dead children. Yeah. And and one, I don't know. Like I just, I think we are going to. I hope. I know that one day we'll weep over our generations. That they will. People who engage in this will weep. Mm-hmm. over their definition of dignity. Right. Right. They just will. The consequences are so physically manifested. There's so much that has to do with just the destruction of your own physical body. Yeah. Um, it all has to do with be- being a part of your dignity is being. So if, if a human is made up of its like, Uh, primal and secondary desires the things that you need and the things that you want if that is what makes a human a human Mm -hmm. um, we should all be fine at the end of the day if you do whatever you want Mm -hmm. the feminists should all be fine Mm -hmm. they're all doing whatever they want right people who think well you know what my sexuality is such a part of who i am so i'm just going to do whatever i want Mm -hmm. they are Mm-hmm. For years, we've been doing whatever we want. Since mm-hmm. the second wave, we've been doing whatever we want. Right. It's not working. No, it's not. It's not working. No. And it's created it's created disease and brokenness. And I'm sorry, Death. there isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There isn't. A, you cannot convince me that the fourth wave even comes close to knowing 
what dignity is. No. No, they don't. I mean, I saw, we've all, maybe, most of us, some of us, seen the image of that little boy in drag oh, next yeah. to a adult male who is naked with his hair and done up like a woman. That's not dignity. That's perversion. Right. And that's where feminist ideology leads. And so I think where my heart is, what I want Christians to know is that we don't share a moral compass with feminism or the Me Too movement. And we're not going to gain any ground when we partner with darkness. Ephesians 5 warns us not to be deceived by empty words. And the Me Too movement and feminism, it's made up of empty words. Dignity means nothing to them. And we are not supposed to be partnered with people who are in darkness. We're supposed to be the light. We are not supposed to link arms with it. And so my concern when I listen to Christian women now who uh, flirt with feminism or would call themselves feminists is that um, they're not listening to Paul in Ephesians 5 when he warns them to be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Um, And I think what the feminist movement today is guilty of is the same thing that the Pharisees were guilty of uh, when Jesus was talking to them in Matthew 23 and he said that they they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. They broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. That's what the Me Too movement is. That's what the Gillette ad is. We're talking about people who are living in darkness, walking in darkness. They hate God. They hate his standards, but they stand up on the world stage and they make these supposedly moral ads. And then the Christians are bowing down and saying, oh yeah, this is great. What's wrong with this? Um, my question, what I think we really need to be willing to ask ourselves is, is being a feminist or linking arms with these ideas or these people does it make you look more like Christ? Because Christ didn't die so that you can look more reasonable to the world. He died so that you might look more like him. Yeah. He didn't die so you could look like men. (laughs) And in this, I'm referring women to look like men. Right. I think that if you believe you can look more like Christ by looking more like a feminist... Um, I think that you have been deceived. <laughs> yep. I think that you believe a Christless Christianity is possible. I believe that a Christian feminist uh, believes in a Christianity that, you know, has some other bumper sticker slapped on the end, <laughs> on the back of it. And I don't believe that's how Christians should behave. I think that, um, I think God has something to say about the kind of woman that you are. Uh, what kind of mom you are, what kind of citizen you are, what kind of goal achiever you should be. I think he says that you need to lay down your life and take up your cross. And that kind of call to self-sacrifice is like repugnant to us, to the natural man. Well, that's still, so that's the thing that really hasn't gone away. 
like I don't, you guys probably remember how um, in the second wave I talked about like the primary problems being being a wife and being a mom. Those are the two things that will absolutely keep you from being equal with a man. Mm-hmm. So we can figure out the wife thing, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone just stop getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, you know, don't, don't be in anything monogamous mm-hmm. and don't covenant with someone. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> women right. can carry children. Right. It's something that we haven't been able we haven't been able to get rid of it. And even though we live in a, all, most of the people, people our age certainly have only ever lived in the kind of world that we live in right now, where women have voting rights, they can go to work, they can, they're protected by all kinds of legislation in that work, stuff like that. Um, and so it is the, it is the mountain that feminism has to, get across right um they can't we have to fight to have um even though women women uh want women want six months maternity leave but they also want equal pay to someone who isn't taking a six-month maternity leave right um and so motherhood is the primary separator the thing that just cannot be reconciled and so you have to do things like like say build a mountain of dead babies right and cross there right so that is the way that they and they still can't solve it i mean don't don't they haven't been triumphant in crashing that down and they won't right. women will continue it doesn't matter how much you violate your body it doesn't matter how many surgeries you have women will there will still be women on this earth that will continue to have children because it is their bodies are exactly built to do it. Designed. It's not just like to do it. It's not just like some parts got like thrown onto different ends of the table right. when God Ooh, made lucky. us. Lucky, look at that—a reproductive system. We have we have organs right. that are specifically only for one thing. Right. Right. No, I know, I know. <laughs> and so, I just want you guys. I want you guys to consider that. Yes. I want you to consider that for a movement that is all about the dignity of a woman dignity they ask that you ignore a very very natural thing they can't see and and we can't let them do this so uh, you've heard me say it many many times they take something that's natural and turn it into a social construct so maybe you can get away with that a little bit with gender norms because there are certain things that are cultural sure but here's the thing that you can never make unbiological mm-hmm. having children right and so right. it's a problem it's a real real problem right for feminism in general and specifically for the fourth wave and so what you see of course is mass legalization of abortion mm-hmm. um and then obviously i don't even want to get into up until birth like because we have it you we've also done episodes on incremental legislation regarding abortion right and the fact that in arizona where we're recording right now we have the ability to not perform any abortions and for them to be illegal right and on the books it, in right. the state laws and if yes. and tomorrow if in many in if tomorrow it was considered if abortion was just illegal mm-hmm. there would be incremental law mm-hmm. that would keep that from 
happening. Right. Uh, do you think they would ignore yes. that incremental law? Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so the point I'm trying to make effectively is that, um, I'm so sorry, guys. This just gets me like so, fired up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So what I'm trying to say, feminism struggles um, and actively fights against the natural inclinations of a woman, the biology of women. Mm -hmm. They are not pro-woman. Nope. They are not pro-dignity. Nope. Um, Dignity to them is a social construct. Yeah. Dignity is what society decides it is to be. Right. So that means right. that um, every Jew who died in the Holocaust, mm -hmm. it was fine. Right. Because the at laws, the time, it wasn't against the law. It was okay. No, nothing that happened in the Holocaust was against the law. So if your standard is whatever your nation's laws are, well, then you're going to have to say that that was fine. You're going to, you're, you are going to be saying it amidst mm -hmm. death right that is just what happens right um and i <laughs> i don't i know some people are like well joy isn't it wrong to wish shame on our future generations no no <laughs> it's not it's not um it is appalling we will weep for the price yeah of our human dignity mm -hmm as we just define it, we will weep for our sexual freedom. Yep. Um, and the children that are born mm -hmm. are going to look back at this time and think like, how did that happen? Yeah. How did it happen? They'll be appalled. Yeah. It's appalling. It's an appalling message on the, on the front of it mm -hmm. is this message of dignity and, and people's dignity should be protected. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's fake. Right. Don't don't it's judge a book. Don't judge a book by its cover, right? So if feminism had a book, they would tell you on the cover they're all about worth and dignity. Right. But if you read it, you would find out that's not the case. Right. That's not what it is. And that's really like that is a summation of these four episodes. Yeah. And it's all I can even talk about in this fourth episode because that's I just I live in this. <laughs> I live in this wave. Yeah. So I have a lot to say about yeah. it. It's not history yet. No. It's still here. Right. And I, I, I hope that this, that these four episodes have been meaningful. Right. And even though I know we've kind of like waxed poetic on our thoughts on the fourth mm -hmm. wave in this episode, mm -hmm. I hope that all together in the four episodes, yeah, they paint a that picture. it all kind of yeah. shows you the progression yeah. of things. We wouldn't have today our view of human dignity if we didn't have the first wave. Right. Right. Those things don't exist without each other. Right. The first doesn't exist without the second. Nope. Or sorry, the first actually did exist without the right. second. Right. I get what you I get what you're saying. Without the first, third <laughs> right. without the second and first. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um but yeah, so this is not um this is not just the radical notion. Feminism is not just the no. radical notion that women are equal to men. No. Um, That's not where we is. are right now wouldn't have happened without the hundred plus years of mm -hmm. history preceding it. Mm -hmm. um, it has been done intentionally. Yes. And 
it is humanistic yes. and godless yes. and there is no dignity found in it in no. fact it mars the image of god it does it does well okay so here's here's my i think you wrapped up the idea of feminism very well <laughs> and here's my encouragement okay if yeah. you're a christian woman here's what i want to say to you god requires your obedience god requires all of our obedience the gospel is not a suggestion it is a command. Amen. Uh, in this path of life, the path of obedience, we are promised that there is fullness of joy. So there's joy for the brokenhearted. There's joy for the wounded. There's joy for struggling wives and moms and single women. There's joy for the sexually broken. There's healing for the abused. My admonishment to you is don't turn to the wisdom of the world for fleeting joys that require what I would say marathon runner-like endurance to maintain day after day. That is what femini feminism is. It is a marathon run of bitterness and resentment. It swaps out biblical truth for the appearance of wisdom. So stop partnering with the world. Scripture commands that you do not partner with the world. You are not friends with the world. Their starting point is not your starting point, and their end point is not your end point. They hate your God. I think that Christians laugh at those coexist bumper stickers all the time while secretly or not secretly living out and pushing philosophies that demand that we pretend that pagan thought and Christianity can coexist. If that is how you behave, is that a, if that is how you believe, you are deceived. Mm -hmm. If you are a Christian, you are not a feminist. And if you say that you are, repent. I think it's time to stop trying to please the world. It's time to rip that bumper sticker off of your theological car and bow down to Jesus. Right. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> this is something I see all the time. I can think about a time in my life where this might have been true and it was not a good time. If you get the majority of your spiritual food from online blogs like TGC or fluffy Bible studies, you are starving. You are probably wondering who's been oppressing you, if you've been oppressing yourself or if someone is going to think you're cool with the male gaze because your skirt is too modest this is not biblical thinking it is not the way we should behave and i think you should ask yourself i think you should genuinely reflect and ask yourself what philosophies are you being swayed by who are you trying to impress who do you represent is he impressed with you are you a committed member of a local body are you busying yourself with becoming the kind of woman described in titus 2 or are you busying yourself with whether or not you align with whatever popular Christian blogger is mm -hmm. out there who is probably promising you that Proverbs 31 isn't all there is? Is that really your concern? Uh, are you really concerned that you might be too much like the Proverbs 31 woman? Are your modest clothes too conservative? 
Is your service to your husband just too good? Are you too submissive? I find myself finding these kinds of questions implicitly in these blogs. I think if you're wondering about any of them, you have been deceived. So my encouragement to you is to get in the word every single day, work hard, be obedient, stop shaming Christ, stop being a feminist. I think you should log off the internet. I think you should text or call your pastor's wife. I think you should find out how you can serve her or the church this week. I think you should serve your family. And I think you should ask Jesus to make you into a more godly woman every single day because nobody who really cares for women is a feminist. So that's my encouragement to you. That's it. That's it. We're good. That's, um, I do have a funny, a really funny, I don't, this is not, I don't even want to talk about this, oh. but it was a funny <laughs> quote okay. that I saw that I just like, I started laughing hysterically out loud. Those are my favorite. And so this is just it. We okay. don't even have to comment on it. Okay. Um, so this was from an, this is just a quote from an article in Prospect Magazine. Suggesting to people that they are discriminating against women without realizing it can be a very difficult conversation to have. <laughs> I was just like, that's all I need to read right there. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, guys, it's been fun. It's been super fun. And we'll do it again in two years, we'll I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope that was helpful to you. Um, if it was, please go to patreon.com slash sheologians. You can get early release episodes and you can make sure that we can keep making this show. So if it was encouraging to you for way less than the price of your horrible Netflix subscription per month, you can keep us going. And we had a good time doing this. Uh, be sure to like and share the episode. I don't know. I never ask you guys for that. But if you could, thanks. That's all I really want to say about that. And we hope that you have a great week. See ya. Bye.